to Nightmare on Film Street. The current time is 6.66. Traffic is clear ahead from here to the afterlife. But it's hell outside. For the next hour, you're on Nightmare Time. So, let's give a grave welcome to our hosts, John and Kim. Hello again, fiends, and welcome to Nightmare Alley, the spooky little side street podcast in the Nightmare on Film Street feed. I'm John. I'm Kim. And we're joined today with Anthony Scott Burns, writer-director of Come True, to talk about shadow people. Who are they? What are they? (laughs) Why do they exist? Why are they trying to steal our souls while we sleep? And other questions. (laughs) That's right, we are talking nightmares and dreamscapes this week in one of the most ethereally scary movies I have ever seen. Oh man, like the the, the way that the nightmares in this movie are presented feels like it was pulled straight from your mind, right? It is the screensaver from hell. Oh, that's not a bad description. And perfectly fitting too because this movie is about a character who goes in for a... Dream analysis? Yeah, she goes in for a dream analysis. Experimental dream analysis. Study, I think, is the word we're running around here. Oh. She is in a sleep study where she lays down with a bunch of wires attached to her head for reasons she doesn't understand. But we soon learn that the scientists behind the operation are literally watching her nightmares. And it gets pretty creepy. You may remember Anthony Scott Burns from his previous feature, Our House. Uh, a Come True is a further extension of the, the same sort of things that have been haunting him for years by, by the looks of it. I don't know if you also remember his short from the movie Holidays. Oh, so good. Father's Day. Father's Day. Fuck. I think about that short all the goddamn time. I love it. It's so weird and creepy and honestly, probably a perfect precursor to Come True. Yes, Absolutely. Like all of our interviews, we are going to be talking about the film, but we don't get too spoilery, so if you haven't checked out the film yet, you can indeed listen to this episode. We talk about some of the cool elements, but not enough to ruin some of the surprises. And if you have seen the movie, I think it will explain a few questions you might have, especially regarding the ending. That's the conversation. It's been fun to watch people online talk about this movie because like, they're, they're being pretty respectful in that like, they don't want to give anything away, but they have questions and they just, they, they're, they're still trying to like work out what it all means. Um, and, and like Kim said, we don't get too spoilery, but I think this is, uh, is, is a great supplemental episode to listen to uh, after watching the movie as well. Let's get into it. This is our conversation with Anthony Scott Burns. But first up, here's the trailer. Sarah? Sarah. Sarah! Sarah! You okay? I'm good. Really? Really. (laughs) You'll be okay to attend for the full two-month period? Yes. So we really just show up and sleep. We just need you lying there in REM. REM, the stage of sleep where we dream the most vividly. How many of us are in the study? I can't tell you that. What are you studying? I can't tell you that either. The eyes close. 
a reduction in activity between wakefulness. Stage two, the slowing of the heart rate. Their bodies are preparing them for deep sleep. What were those pictures Anita showed me this morning? I can't tell you that. Now we wait. We'll either be hailed or crucified based on our treatment of this breakthrough. What's happening? This is exactly what he's been waiting for. Run! Don't you ever feel like you're seeing something that you're not supposed to? Anthony, thank you so much for taking the time to join us on the show today. We're really excited to talk to you about Come True. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you guys, too. So the movie deals with a lot of themes regarding uh, nightmares and sleep paralysis and shadow people. Is that something that you have personal experience with? Uh, Yes, it is, actually. Um, So the story with this is that um, my mother passed away when I was eight years old, and it was pretty traumatic for me. And... After she did, I immediately started to have these nightmares. Well, I thought they were nightmares, but I would wake up and I was able, unable to move. And I thought my mom was sitting at the end of my bed. Oh, wow. Oh, no. And, and uh, yeah, and it happened for, for a while. And at first, it was sort of tied in with grief and, and sort of how I couldn't talk to her. But she was sitting there and I couldn't move. And, and so I was really sad and weirded out. But then I started to feel like that's not my mom. What is it? And then it got scary. And then there came the point when, when it happened where I knew that if the thing turned and looked at me, I'd be dead. So it became super, super frightening. Um, And then it went away. Just like as quick as it came. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and I was thankful (laughs) that it went away because it really freaked me out. Um, But yeah, so that was the start. And, and obviously, you know, dealing with shadow people, that was my first sort of experience with that. But when, you know, you start to talk to people, uh, my wife also has sleep issues and she had been in sleep clinics throughout her life. And we, we just, you know, we were introduced to sleep paralysis before the nightmare, but the nightmare sort of solidified the idea for me that this is something that everybody who has sleep paralysis deals with in some sort of manner. And that to me was super intriguing, super exciting and super scary all at the same time. And so I wanted to just explore in the most naturalistic way I could that phenomenon and, and not sort of go in. It, it was never supposed to be just a horror movie, but it just ended up being that way because it is scary. Yeah, but no, I just wanted to explore that. It's super terrifying stuff. Like, I, I personally don't have any experience with it. But Yeah, I don't either, but, but it, you hear terrifying stories from people. And from lots of people is the other thing. Yes, that's the thing. And the, the fact that it's all very similar iconography that we're seeing that that's that's a an interesting it's an interesting plot for a movie <laughs> yes <laughs> as a filmmaker and, and so, i'm so, sure you, you get your hands yeah. together and you're just like yes <laughs> well and, and, and honestly the it, i i had wanted to tell the story in, in in a multitude of ways um and our house was originally supposed to be part of this sort of bigger universe that i'm telling this story in because it's part and parcel they're connected uh, the way that the you know the shadow characters were originally in that movie, they were not smoky and and they were very much like uh, they are in uh, Come True, and so it was it was just me exploring why is this something we all fear? 
Like why? It's weird. Like even if you don't have sleep paralysis, if you see a shadowy thing down at the end of the hall and you can't see its face, you're scared. <laughs> yeah. And so I, 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 I'm, I'm intrigued by, by unified fear. You've had a lot of time to think about this, like both before you started working on it, during the process, and now that you're being asked a lot of questions about <laughs> it. Where do you think that comes from? Like, do you have a personal theory or belief that uh, sort of explains away the shadow people? Ooh. Well, just, just like the film is an exploration of the ideas of Carl Jung and his theories on how we're connected and what dreams mean to us. You know, when I started to read his work, it really made sense to me. And so just as someone who is intrigued by exploring ideas, it, it made sense to, to I, I tell a lot of people when I wrote this film, it came naturally and very honestly. And it's as much people watching me going through therapy as it is a horror movie, because it, is, it came without, I did not say no to anything if that makes sense. And I think that's the best way to explore a movie about dreams because that's where they come from, it's our subconscious. So by saying yes to the things that, that feel right all the time, um, it, it, it just flowed out and, and, and really the movie, yeah. <laughs> the, best way to, the best way to describe it, your question is, is that, you know, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I could go on and on and on uh, about, you know, the personal fears that are in me and how the movie is, is a personal expression of my fears and, and, and interest in, in just dreams. Dreams have always intrigued me. And I think they intrigue a lot of people who are into the horror genre because they're a wildly unexplored and uh, unexplored and un understood part of us. That's a really big part of us. So yeah, it's it's interesting to yeah. hear you talk about it just sort of flowing through you because that like and about how that is sort of like how dreams work because it's almost like your brain doing improv, right? Like it's just building on stuff like yes, yes, yes and this, yes and that. Yes. But it's it's very strange when one either you have nightmares or how it just always seems to morph into something scary. Like why is it that yes. our brain yes ands us into, into terror? <laughs> well, we'll see science tends to think they know and 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 <laughs> they're probably right, is, is, is this is training. And it's, you know, again, it goes back to even Carl, Carl Jung's work in that this is ancestral memory training. Make sure you know that you're scared of that thing that is dark in the night with glowing eyes because mm. that could be a cat or, or like this is ancestral training for us to not get killed in the day, <laughs> you know? And, and that's the thought behind it is that this is us working out our issues and things so that we may survive and be, you know, may evolve. Yeah, it's Personally. also it's also just interesting too that it, it happens to come at a point where we're actually really vulnerable. Like our bodies are very vulnerable. We're sleeping, we're incapacitated basically, and we're dreaming about these terrifying things that will get us. <laughs> and then there's sleep paralysis where you wake up and you still get to see it. And that's the the, the icing on the on the on the cake. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's really, really interesting stuff. And so yeah, is it personal? Yes. Is it it's just something that I, I find interesting and I was hoping that other people would find it interesting too. And I, I approached the filmmaking like a dream, you know, and, and that's some, that works for some people and not for other people. I love hearing you say that because you sat down and talked with one of our writers, Stephanie, back at Fantasia. Yes. And I, I love, uh, I loved reading that interview. It was a great interview. Because it's, it really 
made me feel like this movie is kind of like holding a mirror to a mirror. Like we have these characters that are watching people's dreams as though they're movies. But I think it's it's undeniable to look at movies as though we are already watching someone else's dreams. Yeah, I, you know, it's funny. The more I talk about the film, because it came from subconscious thoughts, yes, things were planned. <laughs> but, do you, you know, not to the, the extent of forcing my characters into wherever they might go. But in hindsight, the film for me was always me exploring how media had trained me as well. And so the film itself is, like you say, it's a mirror and a mirror in that there are constructs in the, in the film, like characters who are just plain old archetypes for that reason, mm-hmm. um, to explore what it is that we grew up watching and the types of photography and the types of characters. And it was just me exploring what made me think the way I do through cinema. And so, yeah, like I said, it's a, it's a, it's a therapeutic film for me as much as I, like I needed to get it out. I needed to make this movie. And that's why we made it in such a bizarro manner as well. So, Have your dreams gotten any better since, uh, or are you sleeping better at night <laughs> since having I, made this movie? No, no, no. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's just on to something else. Something, I'm always going to be afraid of something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think, yeah, I don't think I'll, now I'm not so afraid of the, the shadow people. I've moved on, you know, I, I needed to get that out. I hate to constantly throw shadow people questions at you, but it's just like, I don't know anybody else that's really thought about it for years. And like, I've, I've been curious, especially lately, if the increase that we're seeing in it is either just because we, you know, we have the internet and people have the ability to talk across the world now, or if it's just that media is playing a more significant role in our lives and something about entertainment um, feeds into that shadow people vibe. I don't, well, I, I think know. too, like especially with dreams, you don't have control over it. So the more that you're, um, you're fed information, the more your brain's going to process it when you're sleeping. And mm. if you're watching shadow people movies, like, here you go, here's your shadow person. <laughs> well, and that's what I love about these sort of pre nightmare people talking about that stuff and, and sort of pre knowledge of sleep paralysis is that people were seeing the same thing before we even knew about it. And that's where, you know, oh, there's something to it. Now you could say, well, yeah, it's influenced by this and this and this and this. We're all seeing the same things, which also feeds back into Carl Jung's theory of collective consciousness is that now we have this internet that even it helps us even more to be connected in that way and see and fear the same things. And, and so we're able to distill those ideas even further, but I would argue that now, yes, the, the, the icon of the shadow man with the glowing eyes is, is, is something that is, probably more scary to people due to the fact that it's out there and seen more regularly but it was always there yeah that's my theory anyways because we see it throughout history that's the the cool thing is that we do see that icon scaring people yeah Yeah, like you see those like old paintings where like the the woman is sleeping and there's literally like a demon sitting on her chest and you're like that's old (laughs) yes that's very old (laughs) And, and, and it was and it was still there and people believed it then yeah yeah, but, so. but now it's kind of like a feedback loop, right? It's just, it's feeding into itself and it's getting bigger. Yeah, what does that, what right? does that mean for us? <laughs> yeah, will they get, are they going to get stronger? <gasps> oh, God. Right? And like this <laughs> yeah. this is another thing that I'm totally picking up from that interview you did with Stephanie about, uh, about how technology is maybe influencing all of that, right? Well, yeah. You know, everyone talks about how all my stuff has to do with some sort of piece of tech, whether it's 
Father's Day, Our House, or Come True, all of them have a central technology character or, or, or narrative where it's about jumping off the deep end before we even know what you're getting into. And all of us do it and we're living it right now. And we don't know what it's going to do to us. And we're already seeing the effects, you know, on kids, you know, like, Hey, here's this cool thing. It's the internet. We just go, yes, let's do it. <laughs> you know, we don't go, we don't go, well, I wonder what that'll look like in 10 years. And it's like, no, no, no forget that we're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And, like let's integrate just do it that. into our lives. Yeah. Let it ruin Put us. Put your life yeah. on this. <laughs> We consistently do that and have done that throughout the years. And it, I mean, it's now become an exponential growth. And so it's even scarier. Like we're seeing changes in technology so quick that we, there's no way to be, uh, as an artist, I always thought about this, is that you used to be able to master your craft because the, the sort of tools stayed the same mm -hmm. for centuries. Now uh, the tools change and things change so quickly. So who's a master of anything, mm. you know? Uh, and, and it really does feel that way uh, as an artist because I, I find myself, you know, once something is, has been put out there into the world, we, we, within six months, there's a better version of it. And so you learn that thing and then you, ah, you know, whatever. And then you go into the next thing. But uh, in the day, I mean, you'd have to just draw. <laughs> At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. There's so, also the, and get uh, really great at that. There's also the inferiority complex that comes with trying to master something and then being part of the internet and having to deal with everybody that's already mastered it and, and all that comes with that. Well, and that's a small, oftentimes we don't think about the people that we're following and who follow us on these platforms. That's a small chunk of the world, you know? And I, I always remind, you know, younger artists of this because they go, oh man, there's so many great artists in the world. Like, well, how many people do you see their art consistently and are blown away? Well, there's about a hundred. Yeah, but there's millions and millions <laughs> of people on this planet. So it, that's okay if there are, you know, hundreds of talented artists out there, you know, thousands of talented artists. Yeah, hundreds you know? of talented artists that yeah. you personally chose to follow. <laughs> yes, ex exactly. And so, but it, it is that feedback loop again and that you're talking about where all of a sudden it can, you know, get to you and go oh man like even me you know i know so many great filmmakers out there oh man you made such a great film but you know it's uh yeah <laughs> it's we don't know where it's taking us mentally that's for sure and, and and that's that's the fear behind all my technology stories is that we we just say yes and and i try to write the characters saying yes in, a, in the most believable way for people there's whether also it's 
parents dying and you have to see if they're still alive. You know, dad goes away and, and he says he's, he's back and you can find him. You know, like these are things for me, you know, Sarah has no other choice but to join this study. She's got nowhere to stay and, and she needs money, you know. So I try to create a believable way into somebody saying yes, because I don't want them to just be, you know, mindless. Yeah. And like, even when she's threatening to, to quit the study, you're like, you can't quit. You don't have anywhere to sleep. <laughs> um, but yeah. I, and, and, and which for you, you've seen we've seen both, both. versions yes, yes we have, we have yes. yeah so you have you have added knowledge yeah these guys <laughs> have added knowledge um there's there's scenes that no longer exist that explain a lot more about why she can and cannot do things so yeah it was a bit of a trip to watch it last night and and see it uh like a little pared down from when we watched it originally and like when you you'd sent us like a an earlier cut and it really made me bummed that we weren't seeing it in a theater oh yeah and then I especially got so... the the dream sequences like yeah. i really want to talk about those when we, when we get there but Oh, yeah. they're so they're so cool to be in immersed in a theater. I mean, like, yeah, yeah, COVID, but like that, that oh. was the that was the idea. I know I, it's it's a bummer for me because I really want people to see it in the theater, but I don't want them to die seeing right. the movie. So yes, it's a trade off there. Um, but yeah, the float the, the design of those was so that when you're sitting there, you're floating through them. You know. Yeah, and I hope really... one day people will be. Able I will be able to re-release it, you know? I, it that would be cool. I would not be surprised if we see re-releases of every movie that hit VOD in 2020 and 2021, just because they're, they should have yeah. been seen in the big screen. Yeah, for sure. Agreed, agreed. Um, but, Ho- hopefully, so, well, theaters will still exist. <laughs> <laughs> but on the dream sequences, like, and, and as we kind of mentioned, how neither of us have really experienced um, that phenomena before it was really great to actually have a visual cue for what those types of dreams are like because I my dreams are so boring that it's just like okay this is your school but it's not actually your school and like your tooth is falling out so deal with that but like when you're actually like traveling through these like really moody dark rooms and there's you see these figures like oh is that a, a human figure and it pops like a balloon you're like nope that's not a human figure it's just so hauntingly spooky yeah <laughs> well th- that was that was the idea um yeah we 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 worked a lot on the design of those in, in making the dreams in this film i've been talking about this how they were unfilmable because every time you film a dream in previous films people know the edifice of it because it feels like you went somewhere like a sewer or what it, whatever it is, and you can really feel that it's been filmed. And the fact that a dream has been filmed, you know it's just a set. And so we worked really hard in the design of the, the look of these so that they felt uncanny. So they didn't feel quite real and they didn't feel sometimes even right to scale. You know, like there, there's sometimes when it feels like a miniature mm-hmm. and that was all sort of the, the, the design of just creating something that, um, is unsettling for reasons that you can't put your finger on. The uncanny, we wanted an uncanny valley in environment, which usually is not done. And so we really, really worked a long time to create that and and that vibe um, and to bring people into the nightmares in a way that had not been done before in movies. Because again, they're they're usually filmed. They're, They're filmed events and you really can feel that it's a filmed event because even the way the camera moves, you know, there's a person there in a set and we wanted this to feel not like that at all. Yeah, it's so smooth. And my, like, and my dreams move that way. My yeah. dreams move that way. Like I'm, I'm always like, it's like a carnival ride for me and I don't oh, wow. like it. That's crazy. Because you can't get off it. Because it's yeah. so like seamless and smooth. It, it kind of reminds me of, I don't know if you ever played the, the board game Nightmare or Atmosphere before. 
but it's like a, a I play. Yeah. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's like the videotape where you're yeah. it's like a countdown clock because you're playing with cards or whatever, but you're going through this netherworld and it's it doesn't stop. Like you're just exploring until the, the tape is over. And I felt so much yes. like that with, with your dream sequences. It's just like like you're on a ride and you can't get off. Well, that's great. Yeah, no, it's great that you're reminding you of nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> Many nights. Many nights being berated by somebody. <laughs> yeah, what is it? You maggots? <laughs> yeah, you maggots. Yeah. And you have to say, yes, my gatekeeper. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I'm, I'm now triggered by that. <laughs> like, I, I was made fun of and ridiculed by a videotape when playing a game. Yeah. yeah. Oh, boy. It's, uh, yeah. It's, it's, so yeah, that's great that that reminded me. <laughs> but yeah, well, and there is something creepy to that stuff. And I think you know, as much as I can encode, because you know, people talk about the movie being, I guess, eighties ish. But to me, it's more about encoding my memories and the and the memories that I think other people have of cinema of that era into the movies. Not in a way that is like me trying to redo an eighties movie. It's me trying to encode the film with visual cues and things that make you feel like this is familiar, but I don't know why, even though there's, there's modern stuff and old stuff and like, why is this familiar? That to me is more the, the, the modus operandi of why things are in the film. And like, that's the core of dreams to, to me, at least like things are familiar, yes. but they're not right. So. Well, and they're yes. retrospective. Like your dreams yeah. are all like, pa- like past processes or kind of things. Like you relive like a traumatizing event in a really weird and a funhouse mirror kind of way, which, which makes so much sense for like the analog nature of the tech in the film, because it's almost like past tense tech, but it's future. Yeah, it's a dreamed future. version of this. Yeah. It's no- and, and, I was talking with someone else about this is one of the things I, I really love about the slasher films that are like, I'm not a huge slasher fan generally, but what I love about slasher films is that they often take place in a universe that is otherworldly, that is not our own. Mm. And it, it, it's only in hindsight that we realize that. Because, again, it's about how we grow up with media and media portrays people a certain way. But in hindsight, you go, no one acted this way. And one of the things we're talking about is uh, My Bloody Valentine. And there's scenes in that movie where, you know, someone will get really excited about hot dog buns for, for because they were probably were ad-libbing on the day and they just <laughs> didn't know what line to say. And they were like, oh, yay, hot dog buns. And you see this a lot in, in you know, uh, early 80s, late 70s slasher films is people acting a certain way that is now can be defined as otherworldly. And it creates this weird atmosphere. Sleepaway Camp's another great example of people acting bizarrely throughout the film. And, and it really, really adds to the nightmare quality of the film. And it's probably in many cases due to the ineptitude of screenplays and, and, and or ad libs, but it creates this beautiful other world that we've all probably become in love with, you know, because that's, for me, that's what draws me. I don't want to see people's heads hacked off. I I'm drawn to the worlds that they created. (laughs) Yeah. But, but wacky teens that never existed. Yeah. Not like almost all their behavior is something dreamt up by someone who's probably 40 years older than them. 
And so it's not the reality of the times and it, and it certainly, and it's also the reality of the sensors and all these things that went into it. So it's, it's not real in any way. And so it's something that we all thought was real as kids but had never existed, which is really cool to me. Yeah. It's, <laughs> You've just made it's, me it's wanna, a dream. <laughs> you just made me want to rewatch my entire like slasher movie catalog. <laughs> yeah, I love going back now. And and it, it was weird because like I said, I was never really into slashers uh growing up because they scared me. I, I had been horrified by my bloody Valentine. That's another conversation. Um it's the first horror movie I had seen but way too young I was four years old when I saw the opening oh, wow. of that movie and and so I didn't even know what murder was <laughs> and uh so I found out what murder was in that way in this weird psychosexual they're in love uh, they're making love one second and then the person kills them so yeah it was really really scary but in in like I said in hindsight the thing that drew me back because I never understood why do I like watching teens be murdered <laughs> Like, I, I don't love these movies, but there's something that draws me in. And the thing that I've realized draws me in is it's an, it's another universe. It's like we're traveling to some alternate plane that never existed, where teens act this way and, and killers act this way. And it's none of it's real. Yeah. None of it ever happened. And, and, and I kind of love that. Yeah. But it still feels like a world you could step into, like uh, Last Action yes. Hero or Purple Rose of Cairo or whatever, right? Like Those are some really obscure points. Yeah. <laughs> he knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And and, it, it, and that's the other thing is in some of these movies, it'd be fun to watch with binoculars in that universe because it's a totally, it's something that never existed. And, and that's what I, you know, I think if I had to guess why I do things the way I do is that I'm interested in doing the same thing is creating worlds that never existed. So, right. On. I I could talk to you forever about how movies are real but not real, and and like I I love like breaking down the psychology well, of how. Can you imagine are. a slasher film where it was completely real, and then all of a sudden Jason showed up and killed all the kids? <laughs> it would be, be horrifying. Horrified. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And so it's it's it it had to be that way. Yes. And agreed. but we didn't realize it as kids when we were watching it. We were just scared of Jason and scared of whoever you know Freddy coming after the kids. I will say the kids you don't hate the kids as much in the nightmare movies. And I think that's another reason why I really like them Yeah, man. <laughs> because mostly it was just teens being behaving badly you know? <laughs> in ways that they probably, you know, again, it's, it's a, it's an otherworldly universe of, and Sleepaway camp was one of my favorites growing up. And now in hindsight, I'm going back going, it's because it's, it's another universe we got to visit through the TV screen. That one especially exists on another plane. But before, yeah. we, before we let you go, we like to ask everybody, what's, what's your dream double feature at the drive-in? If you could play any two movies, what would you play? Well, okay. Do they have to be horror movies? That's no. my question. Nope. They can be any movies. No. Any two movies. Although you might get some angry tweets if they're not horror, <laughs> which we, can't, we cannot help. I don't want angry. Because <laughs> here's the thing. Okay. Drive-in movies... They kind of have to be fun. <laughs> so, <laughs> Very true. So, uh, and 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 I I still get scared. Okay, this is the weird. This is going to be the weirdest double feature, but it's two movies I would want to see in in the drive-in, and one of them is The Shining, and the other one is Point Break. <laughs> right on. That's a that's weird. Awesome. That's a weird double bill, but I love it. <laughs> No, it's it's two movies that would never be programmed together, and that's why I'm doing it. You know, because right there's on. the obvious. You're a programmer. We're gonna do, you know, Stalker and and Annihilation, and and but for me, 
it's like, no, if I'm there to eat popcorn and, and have hot dogs and, and watch movies, it's The Shining and Point Break. That's awesome. And maybe even a third of like Terminator 2. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Oh, that sounds like a great night See? out. That's amazing. Come on, it's a great night out. So that's that's what I'm programming is a, is a fun night out at the movies. That's great. Come True is available right now in select theaters and on demand. Let us know what you thought of the film over on Twitter at NOFS Podcast or in the Nightmare on Film Street Discord, which you can find at nofspodcast.com slash discord. If you're a fan of Nightmare on Film Street, join the Fiend Club. It's only a couple dollars a month. It goes directly to Nightmare on Film Street creators, and you get access to exclusive watch parties, events, and live streams. There's also some really cool merch and stuff. We have membership cards. They're pretty dope. Join us at nofspodcast.com slash fiendclub. Fiend Club. Fiend Club. But until next time, I'm John. I'm Kim. Stay Stay creepy. It appears you made it out alive. But we'll get you next time. Help us to grow the horde. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. More terror can be found lurking on our website, nofspodcast.com. Until next time, stay creepy, fiends. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.